What are the odds that the Alabama Crimson Tide misses the playoffs again for the second year in a row? Well, according to uh, 24-7, pretty doggone good. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and thanks for making us your first listen. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, um, 24-7 came out with their way-too-early bowl predictions. I'm sure there's some other news out there that's more pressing. This isn't more pressing to me. Uh, it's more depressing. I mean, they actually have Alabama going to play in the Sugar Bowl, I believe it is, against Clemson, which would be, um, you know, meaning you missed the, the playoffs for the second year in a row. Uh, I don't find that to be something. Oh, actually, it's the Peach Bowl. I said Sugar Bowl. I meant Peach Bowl. Um, and this is what they say about it. They say, here's a matchup we've grown accustomed to uh, seeing in the college football playoff era, meaning Alabama and Clemson, is two of the country's winningest programs over that stretch. If Alabama plays in the Peach Bowl to cap the season, that means the Crimson Tide fell short of the SEC title and missed the Final Four for the second straight year. Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers are entering a new era with Garrett Riley as their offensive coordinator and Cade Klubnick as their starting quarterback. Should Clemson be considered the ACC uh, preseason favorites? I don't really care about that part so much, but really they've got Georgia meeting Ohio State in the semifinals again, and they've got Michigan – also going back, and this time facing USC. Well, I'll say this. Uh, I like it in the sense that I, I, I feel like it's best for our football program going into the season if our players feel like, a, you know, that they have a lot to prove, that we've fallen off the top of the mountain, that they got to work their way back up. I think all that stuff is a positive. Uh, so on the one hand, I, I like it uh, because, again, it's fuel. Uh, and and we need some of that. I think we need to feel like the underdog a little bit. You know, maybe it'll help if we feel a little chippy about things. Uh, in terms of the actual picks, it's hard to argue when when Georgia and Ohio State are are picked to make the playoff because they've made the playoff so often. Uh, you can't really criticize any sort of prediction that has uh, Ohio State and Georgia in it. As far as Michigan goes, they do return their quarterback, which Georgia and Ohio State do not. Uh, but Michigan was in the playoff a year ago and returned their quarterback, and they've been in the playoff two years in a row. Kind of hard to also say that it, that Michigan's a crazy two years in a row. The uh, outlier pick to me is Southern Cal, who is a good team, and Caleb is obviously a really good quarterback. And they've got other good players, and they've done really well in the portal again. My issue with USC being picked to go to the playoff is just simply this. The last time I saw USC play, Luke, uh, they lost to Tulane. I mean, that, that, so, so you know, when you play a bowl game and you lose to Tulane, I don't understand rampant optimism for the following season. Well, I, the only way I get it is because they have Caleb Williams coming back. They will have a lot of weapons. But here's my thing about that. First of all, um, Call me a conspiracy theorist. I'm not so sure that the playoff committee is going to be so terribly inclined to give the Pac-12 a spot when there's about to not be a Pac-12 anymore, it looks like. <laughs> you know, USC and UCLA are going to be in their last year of the Pac-12 next season. I also looked at Ohio State's schedule, and um, look, 
I don't think Ohio State's going to get back in, even if their only loss is is Michigan again. I just don't see that happening. Um, I don't think you get Ohio State and Michigan back in there again. I, I just can't. That, that's hard for me to fathom. Now, it's also like when people say, "Hey, on the roulette table, you can't you can't come up black eight times in a row, and they've already done it seven times in a row." Yeah, they can. It can happen. See, it's already happened once. USC, I mean, uh, Ohio State and Michigan, it happened last year. So it could happen again. I just don't think it will. Um, and Georgia's schedule is so bad that I'm surprised they're not going to be playing here at Legacy Arena where I am right now next year. I mean, they, they're playing like a 2A uh, girls softball schedule next year. I mean, it's just atrociously bad. So they will get in. Georgia's going to get in. But I think Alabama will have a good shot at it too. I mean, we'll have Texas on the schedule. Um, I mean that in a good way because I think we can beat them and I think they'll be pretty good. Um, we've also got most of our tough games at home. So uh, even if our loss is to, say, Georgia in the SEC title game, um, I, I would feel very good about Alabama's chances. So I'm a little shocked to see people already jumping off the Bama's and automatic uh, in the CFP bandwagon. I mean, I'm just – it just – it seems a little early to be abandoning ship. I, I do understand it from a normal circumstance in that Alabama's got a new quarterback, they got new coordinators, they got all this. At the same time, it's Alabama. And I think people are reading way too much in the fact that we lost two games last year, each of them on the last play of the game. And anyway, that's just me. Yeah, Jimmy. I I saw another – I wish I had the details, but I saw another deep dive analytic uh, from last season that said Alabama was the second best team, which is what I've been saying for a couple of months or or longer is that last season Alabama was the second best team in college football. I I believe that. I know know anyone that's not an Alabama fan is listening to that going, what a homer. But there are several computer analytics-driven – models that agree with what I'm saying. I mean, they're sad. And who was the second best team? Maybe Ohio State. If I'm wrong, okay, third. But I, I really don't believe Michigan and TCU were better than Alabama last season. I really don't. Yeah, I don't know how you couldn't you you had to put Michigan in though. You had to. I mean they're undefeated yeah. power five. I mean the Big Ten, yeah. Michigan, they were getting in. Um but regardless, that's all Water under the dam, has, as some people screw up that cliche. Um, and, Jimmy, I want to go ahead and tell everybody about FanDuel. We're going to zip through this podcast a little bit quicker than most of them because I'm, I'm here at the BJCC uh, calling these uh, AHSA finals this week. Uh, pretty busy. I'm going to be doing it every single day, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And when we come back, I want to tell you all about Chase McCarty, who I absolutely love. But right now I need to tell you about FanDuel because, you know, FanDuel right there on the little crawler, that's where you need to go check out. You can go get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go there, learn more about it, start playing it, get it as an app. It's awesome. You can do it through your computer. You can do it on an app. I don't know if necessarily there's a difference but uh, because I'm not really good at this stuff, but I can tell you right now, it is a personal endorsement. Love locked uh, uh, fanduel.com slash locked on. You will just absolutely have a blast with it. You can bet on just about anything you want to. It's so much fun. Download the app ASAP and it's safe and secure and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained, whatever you want. No sweat, first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner 
of the NBA. So, Jimmy, yesterday um, I got to call Westminster Christian, who happens to have a nice young gentleman named Chase McCarty on the team. He is listed at 6'5", about 200, and he's every bit of that. I mean, it, it might be 6'5", is probably pretty accurate, maybe 6'6", whatever. The 200 is definitely dead on. And, in fact, I was super impressed with whoever handles the strength and the conditioning of Westminster Christian. All their dudes were beefcake. And, I mean, like basketball beefcake, not super huge. Um, you know, I'm a football player who happens to be playing basketball. No, these look like um, strong safeties playing basketball. That's what they look like. And they had another dude named Jackson Hammond. This I, I've only got to talk about this because it was so impressive. Um, he's a senior. And um, somebody had told me before the game, they said, they got this one dude. You'll know him when you see him. And he, he'll be he's very unassuming. Um, read into your own stereotypes where you will. But they were like, he's only about 6'3", 6'4", but he will dunk it better than anybody you will watch this whole tournament. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll be, believe it when I see it. Well, I saw it. The man was in the lane, standing in the lane, got a dish, jumped up, cocked it back Antonio McDice style at about 6'3 and a half, and dunked it so hard that I thought we were just going to have to call a technical on somebody. I don't know who. Just I thought they were going to blow the whistle and stop the game. The place went nuts. It was crazy. Now, I just had to tell everybody about that because that was awesome. If you can find a highlight of that, if I can find it, I'll post it. Um, anyway, Chase McCarty, Jimmy, love this dude. I know LeBaron Phylon is, should be the number one prospect out of Baker uh, for the 2024 class. I, I get that. I totally understood. McCarty ain't going to be far behind. And McCarty's got a smooth jumper. He is just – he's very fluid, um, but he's strong. And he had a, some nice blocks. He had plenty of rebounds. I mean, he only had like 17, 19 points, but they didn't meet it, need many. You know why? They were up 36-6 to six at the half. 36-6 to six against the Montgomery Catholic team that's full of athletes and had three dudes that average over 14 points each. And none of them – I don't, maybe one of them had scored at half, and one of them ended up with like six or eight points because at the end of the game, you know, it, it was just, it, come on in, who cares? I think the final score was something like 61 to 29. I mean, it was something ridiculous. Um, Westminster Christian is really, really good. I think they would be in these final four, uh, in this final four event without Chase McCarty. With him, they should win it pretty easily. They face a Jacksonville High School team that beat them last year. And last year, this same Westminster Christian team had Cade Phillips, who, if you remember, I believe signed with Tennessee, didn't he? Yes. Tennessee. Uh, who's John David Phillips son. Right. So last year, this team had Chase McCarty and Cade Phillips. And I'm like, how did they ever lose to anybody in anything? I'm talking about basketball, football, Scrabble, whatever. I mean, because there's, I, I was shocked how good Chase McCarty was. I, I expected to see, a really good player, but I've also learned this, Jimmy, that when you see these rankings, these listed as like the number 64, 65 best player in the country. And a lot of times when you get past like number 50 in basketball, it feels like a lot of that ranking is based off potential. Like he's got the height, he's got the strength, he's got the hops, he might have the shot, but he doesn't really play, you know, 100% all the time. And sometimes there may be a game you're like, this guy's the number 65 best player? No. I'm shocked there are 64 players in the country better than him. He is He's just really smooth. I would love to have him on 
Bama's team. I'm hoping Bama signs him, like him a ton. He's out of the Huntsville area, which is a basketball hotbed anyway. So, yeah, I'm super fired up about Chase McCarty. Uh, and he's a two guard, I take it, at the next level, at the SEC level. He's going to be like an off guard. Um, well, they've got him listed as a small forward or, or really a strong forward, I guess, depending. But I would say small forward. Um, would he be a two? I, I think he'd be more of a small forward. I'm trying to think. And help me, Jimmy. Boy, I'm having a hard time. We, uh, about 10, 15 years ago, there was a player for Alabama that ended up playing in the pros, I think, for Denver for a while. He was a heck of a dunker, had a lot of potential, sort of about 6'5"-ish. Um, his name is just escaping me. And, and again, it's because it's early in the morning. I'm here at the BJCC thinking of a million other names. Tony Mitchell? No, not Tony Mitchell was like 6'8", wasn't he? He was, he was tall. Um, uh, I, this guy was like a – he had really nice dunker, um, a little bit more compact than Tony Mitchell for sure. But it Scenario, doesn't matter. Scenario Hillman? No, I, man, I wouldn't get Scenario Hillman. There's a scenario where I would forget Hillman. Um, but, uh, no, I will think of it later, and somebody will say it on the on the chat or whatever, and I'll appreciate it. You say he was about 6'3 or 6'4? Pro- probably in that neighborhood, yeah. Well, um, I'm, ex- I'm excited. You know, Nate, Nate loves – I mean, you can tell from the makeup of this particular roster, Nate loves almost positionless players because, you know, outside of the point guard – and to some extent, our center, because we happen to have a seven-footer, are two, three, and four. They all sort of look about the same. They're all about the same height. Uh, they're all the same athlete. They all can shoot it and run. I mean, I, I get the feeling if Nate had his druthers, as Gene Stallings used to say, five guys on the court that are all six-foot-six, <laughs> that are yeah. all shooters and jumpers and runners and, and just natural defenders that can defend multiple spots that can play multiple spots on the floor. This kid sort of sounds like that. He might be an inch or two short of that, but uh, he sounds like a typical high-end Nate athlete, but they all have to be able to shoot. You got to shoot or, or, uh, or no, or no spot for you. All right, let's go ahead and take our final break here, Jimmy. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about basketball as Alabama's got a huge one tonight against Auburn. And we're back. Uh, go check out Locked On College Basketball. They, they've got everything covered every which way from here to Sunday, uh, several Sundays, all the Sundays. So go check them out. Um, Jimmy, last night in the SEC, Tennessee, uh, they lose uh, uh, that Ziegler, the little point guard that, um, man, he's pretty good. He, he did a number on us a few times uh, when we played him in Knoxville. That's mm-hmm. a big loss for them, even though they did get the win over Arkansas. Uh, then everything else was pretty much chalk. I know that Mississippi State got the win last night over South Kakalaki. That's that's certainly no shock. Texas A&M won. I, you know, but they only won by like six or eight. I was kind of hoping they'd go ahead and lose and we could clinch it. But, you know what, there's something about having this the SEC outright title on the line tonight against Auburn that I dig. Um, so looking forward to that game. And uh, everything's sort of going according to Chalk. Let's just go get this big, con- this big contest tonight. Go ahead and get that big dub. And all the also – uh, the ESPN has put out there, okay, they're predicting their players of the year in each conference. And, of course, they pick Brandon Miller. That's, that's no shock. And, of course, they have Oscar Shibway as the runner-up, which I also think is no shock. But this is, they have a little blurb about it and say, despite being mired in controversy related to being named in a criminal, criminal investigation, Miller remains the front-runner for the league's top honor. It, 
but is he named in the criminal investigation? I mean, Jimmy, you tell me, is that's a really poor way to say that, right? He's a witness. He's a He's witness. A uh, there's no, and by the way, there's no, there's no uh, <clears throat> tears and legally recognized. You're either a witness or you're not. Clearly, he's a witness to the events and he's going to have to testify in the trial. But you know who's also a, a common witness in the United States, Luke, is if uh, you are crossing the road and a, uh, a blue car hits the red car and there's an accident and someone's hurt and you saw it happen, you're a witness. Um, so you're going to have to be subpoenaed and testify to go to court about what you saw uh, in terms of whose fault that accident may, may have been. Uh, is that person mired in the investigation? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I think I would only use that phrase if he was the subject of, of an investigation, which he is not. And, and, and we went over this yesterday in depth on the Bama Insider board about you know, why he's cleared of charges and, and, and stuff. And we had kind of a legal breakdown of that. But it, it is, I, I, it's so obvious to me, Luke, that so much of this is about clicks and getting people to read and, and having a, a headline. And then you, the headline gets everybody, see the headline gets everybody mad. We're a nation of headline readers. We read a headline yeah. and we get upset, but we don't click and read the story. We, I mean, that's too much work. But what we can do is scroll through headlines and every now and then a headline will get us angry or, wow, can you believe that guy's playing? Well, read the story, you know, read the story. And, and I've said repeatedly, uh, I'm not saying there's nothing to it. And I'm not saying that Brandon did absolutely nothing wrong. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is most of the people in this country who are furious that Brandon Miller crime, they believe facts that are just not true. They just, hey, look, yeah. Let yeah. me throw one other thing out there. And look, I, I'm kind of ready for Nate Oates and everybody at Alabama to quit discussing it because it it just it just keeps throwing kindling on this thing. But Nate Oates said something. He sort of clarified the whole pat down um, warm up situation, which at first I, I was told, and I just had to believe this because I don't watch MMA. I don't care anything about it. There's some MMA fighter that, that, or UFC fighter. I don't even know if there's a difference um, that gets patted down before he comes in or whatever. And I, I don't know if that's anything, but Nate Oates clarified apparently yesterday in a press conference that, all right, the pat down thing he, he found out is more about like, you're getting patted down before you fly at, you know, at the airport, the TSA is patting you down. So you're cleared for takeoff. Okay. When it's presented that way, the, 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 the ceremony of it sounds kind of cool. If you don't know what happened, uh, you know, back in January, if that event is taken out of the process, it has nothing to do with necessarily guns. Although I guess you could loosely tie it in, but now that that did happen, Let's not do that anymore. And also, let's not even bring it. We don't need any more explanations of it. Just quit talking about it altogether, period. It's like when you're in a fight with your wife and you say, hey, let it go. And she comes back and goes, well, I just don't want to go through this again. You're like, OK, I'm, you win. Let's just not talk about it anymore. Well, I just want you to understand. No, I do understand. I understand. Please quit talking about it because you're making it worse by continuing to discuss it. And everybody's had that fight with their spouse. I'm just telling you, you have, I have, we all have. <laughs> Let me say one other thing too, Jimmy. I cannot divulge a lot of information here. I just can't get into it. I promised I wouldn't, so I won't. 
Therefore, it's going to seem very obscure and almost not even worth saying. I believe it is worth saying. I was able to talk to somebody who would have pretty doggone good knowledge, more knowledge than most everybody listening to this about that situation um, that involved Darius Miles and, and uh, Jaden Bradley and, and et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I was able to find out a little bit more about this situation. Not a, not a great deal more. I'm even more convinced than ever there's nothing to it from the Brandon Miller side. Um, and, and again, I just want people to trust me a little bit more on this. I understand if you don't, then you think I'm a Bama homer. I get it. I would also hope that anybody who's listened to me and knows me knows I would not just blindly say that. Um, but it, it just, it's, it's a, <laughs> there, there's, it, it was just a moment where I know somebody with who has some contact there. And, and I'm telling you, there's really, I'm more convinced than ever. Brandon Miller really didn't do anything wrong necessarily. He made some, some poor choices, I suppose, mm-hmm. but even those are in question. So having said that, I'm about ready to quit talking about it myself. And I feel more and more comfortable about it. I had some, you know, some things, I still have some things that are unknown about it. And I doubt we'll ever know them to be quite frank with you. Um, but I'm ready to just let's get back into some basketball and, and maybe that's what you and I can do as well. Yeah, what's really frustrating, and, and I can see this coming, and I don't know the information that you're talking about, but it, it, what you're saying is not surprising me. Uh, I, and, and I have my own feelings about what, what I know of the facts based on public reports and my experience in, 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 in lawyering. Um, I, what, what really upsets me is I can see this coming, Luke. Uh, as Alabama advances in the NCAA tournament, this story is going to remain the story in college basketball. It will be the storyline, not just when Alabama plays, but for the NCAA tournament as Alabama advances. So it's the page one headline all the way through this NCAA tournament. And about a year from now, there's going to be a trial in Tuscaloosa uh, for, a, you know, a, a capital murder trial. And, uh, and and we're going to find out everything. We're, we're, we're going to finally know everything. And then the fact that uh, Brandon's uh, participation is so such a minuscule part of the story. It, it, and ultimately what I'm saying is this is a page eight story. It, it'll ultimately be a page eight story. And, and, but, uh, but we're going to be, it's the page one headline during Alabama's NCAA tournament run. And when it all goes sort of quietly away, there will be no, Oh, uh, remember all that stuff we said about Brandon? Uh, maybe we shouldn't. There won't be that stuff. That's on page eight. Nobody read, even really read the stories on page one. They just read the headlines. There will be absolutely no retractions if the, if retractions are warranted, and I think there will be. There'll just be none because if you think people only read the headlines, you can bet people definitely don't read the retractions. So, all right, Jimmy, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Appreciate it, buddy. Sorry that I'm having a duty so early in the morning over here at the BJCC, but it is a lot of fun. And I also get to call Caleb Holt today. Um, that one's going to be a lot of fun. He plays for Buckhorn. He's one of the top freshmen in the country. So looking forward to that one too. Until next time, everybody, roll tide. Roll tide.